Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dak Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on TalkTimeLive.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Super, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Excuse me, Gohan, this is more of a narrator type thing. Uh, okay. Just do it more like a next time on Talk Time Live. Uh, next time on Talk Time Live. Don't quit your day job, Gohan. It's time for your Talk Time Live exclusive. You are now about to witness the strength of geek knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, we have him back on the show. It is one of my favorite people in the world of entertainment. I am happy to have back our guest, writer, producer, executive producer, showrunner, and actor of some of your favorite TV shows such as Power, Book 2, Ghosts, animated series like Avengers Black Panther's Quest, which is on Disney+, Plus, as well as Ult- uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, and many, many more. Avengers is simple. I can add that, too. And he's also been involved in some great comics, including Grand, uh, Green Lantern, Marvel Comics Mosaic, and recently... Blood Syndicate, one of my favorites at the moment at, uh, from Milestone Media, and as well as his own production known as The Winterman Project. He is Jeffrey Thorne, ladies and gentlemen. He is here to catch up with everything that's going on in his world. Folks, please welcome back Jeffrey to Talk Time Live Exclusive. What up, my man? Hey, what's up? <laughs> Thank you for having me back. Yeah. As usual, I told you, whenever you call me, I will show up. I don't care what's You're going awesome. on. I, can you believe it's, it's been like uh, since 2017? Jesus, man. Don't that was the first time I met old. you at San Diego Comic-Con, and we've been doing this ever since, and I greatly I, appreciate I, it. I'm fighting the urge to take my image off and just go audio, because you're making me feel old just by... Uh, Look, yeah, if Stanley, if Stanley I mean, can live being, you know, enjoying his, uh, his age, we should be too. Listen, you ever see me with that kind of a wig on, you send help. You send help. Because, <laughs> No. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. a straight hair wig at that. That's that would yeah, be so exactly. special. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly that. Exactly but it's that. awesome to have you back. I really appreciate you coming. I mean, every time you come back, there's always something significant happening at that time. And Blame last me. time we were quarantined. Right. <laughs> it was 2021. Right. right. <laughs> we were right. quarantined up. And now we're at war. <laughs> so. How about it's like I, you gotta laugh. You gotta laugh at the idea of this, the significance yeah. of this. But it is what it is. Um, I will ask this before we get started with the questions. Like, how are you okay. in terms of like, how are you in terms of like? Uh, because last time we spoke, you were still skeptical about going outside with you know, oh, out, yeah. without um, mask. Are you still? How was that? Yeah. Listen, here's the thing. Um, there's two. This is serious. You started with a very light, easy question. Um, the, the truth of the COVID situation is, um, everybody wanted it to be gone. It was bad politics for people trying to get reelected to make it seem like it was still a threat, even though it's still a threat. 
like a massive yep. threat. So am I, I'm, I'm less nervous in the sense of I don't feel nervous, but yes. I watch the stats, man, and COVID didn't go anywhere. It just got under, it just got managed. Fewer people are dying, but still hundreds to thousands of people are still dying of this thing. Yeah. And it's still mutating. So you need to get those vaccines. You need to not pretend like you know better than the scientific community. Everybody who's telling you stuff like it caused my baby's jaundice to come or that's lies. That's uh, nonsense. That's stuff right. to make you feel scared and not do it. Um, yeah. And the people who get most affected by that are black and brown because mm-hmm. they are low, um, they're low information. They're skeptical of the medical and the scientific community with very good reason to be that yeah. way. Right. Like we know what has been done to us over the centuries by these groups. So when right. someone says, oh, no, don't don't trust them. You are more likely as a black person or a brown person to say, yeah, you're right. Look what they did before. Right. But this time it's the opposite vibe. Everybody who's telling you not to do that. That's the bad guys. But without a thesis, a body and conclusion as to why you haven't done it. They have none, yeah. nobody can really articulate the reason. It's just based off of something that they heard, which may not be the most factual Listen, thing. Look that at you well, that's what I always tell people. If you're about money, if you're about facts on the ground, just go do the math. Just do the yeah. math. If with before vaccines, lots of people dying. Once we got enough people vaccinated, people stopped kicking off. Not to the point where we can just all walk around. COVID is here to stay like the flu. And the flu used to kill the hell out of people. Yes, it does. It still kills people. Still does. Right. Influenza killed millions of people who didn't have vaccines to deal with it. Yeah. Right? It's still here. And it still causes people to check out every year. Yeah. COVID makes the flu look like a Girl Scout jamboree. Okay. At the moment. But we have vaccines. Right. Right. So don't be an idiot. Don't watch your parents and your kids get sick and expire under a ventilator. Don't get long COVID. I got a friend of mine who did all the stuff right and when thought he was safe, went to start hanging out with uh, folks in various situations because of his job, got COVID. It was a mild case and he was cool with it. But now he mm-hmm. has to use one of those like as, uh, asthma the inhaler in- things because yeah. he's got long Inhalers, COVID. Because yeah. he's got long COVID. So, Oof. you know, you can roll those dice if you want to, but I'm going to be here. If there's a I zombie apocalypse, if there's a zombie apocalypse <laughs> you better stand next to me because I'll be the dude that's still here when it's over. <laughs> I tell you this, like every time we just came from New York Comic Con a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I'm like, I'm like, dude, like I, I told my wife, like, I make sure get vaccinated. I'm not playing around. She doesn't understand the term con crud. Fuck. People don't get it. People are getting sick anyway going to these conventions. Right, right. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's a real that's a it's it's a funny set of word it's a funny term, but it's a real thing. But it's then real. you add COVID to it, it's worse. Yeah. So we're getting vaxxed before we we're getting story. we're getting vaccinated before we go and that's it. There's a story about a uh, I heard so many of my people that I know, acquaintances and friends, came out sick one from that from uh from um San Diego's last Comic-Con. And one yeah. group of them were like, yeah, so there was a bunch of people that, you know, got a hotel suite together because they could afford it. There was like six of them. One of them had oh, COVID yeah. when she got there, before she got there, told no one, and all of them got sick. That's how it, I, I, I hate people like that. I, I Look, I don't care, people who are listening and watching, I don't care how epic an event 
San Diego and New York is. And I've been to both, and you know how it is. Don't danger people. Just don't, man. It's not worth it. And yourself. I, I get that. I get this. If you don't yeah. care about other people, that's fine. It makes you kind of a weird sociopath if you don't care about other people. But if that's you care basically about you, what you did. You don't want. You don't want any of that. You don't want any of right. that. You just don't want any of that. No. All right. So we got the PSA versus question. Well, it's real though, man. You ask questions. <laughs> no, I'm not going to parties. I'm not going to any. I, I'm not going to any indoor anythings. So mm-hmm. call me crazy. No, I, I, look, I respect it and concur with you with that. Like yeah. you're, you're keeping it safe. I have no issue with that. You're doing the right thing. Absolutely. I, my wife calls me a novid. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but you were interacting in another big thing that happened this year. Mm-hmm. And that is oh, the, the WGA strike. Yeah. And in accordance with the SAG after strike. So one of the most impactful events that happened early this year, in fact, um, now that the WGA portion of the strike has ended, uh, what are your thoughts on the results? Do you think that the Writers Guild got what they want out of it? We got most of what we needed, um, and we set up the actors if they can stay strong to get what we got. Had the directors yeah. gone out instead of making a deal like they always do. The DGA, all the young writers were like, well, the DGA will help. I'm like, don't, don't look at them. They're not with us. Don't yeah. look at and by the way, can you can you do me a favor and like uh, for those who are listening, because there's still people who may not understand why this whole thing is happening. Okay, can you explain what you were fighting for? What we were fighting for? Um, ba- oh, it's so complicated, Dax. Um, it is. Okay, so quite some time ago, you you pre- you may you may have noticed in the headlines that various companies that weren't movie or TV companies were buying up all of these different companies, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. This isn't real, but let's let's say the um, an aspirin company, a pharmaceutical company, decides mm-hmm. they want to own Paramount Studios. This isn't real, but right. let's just use that as an example. It's a good example. Okay, so those guys, they don't care about movies. They don't care about any of that. All they care about is their shareholders want this amount of money yeah. returned every quarter. So they come in the movie industry, which does not work on a quarterly basis, fellas. It's a high-risk business. Um, yeah. And they start making all these changes. And these changes started to de- directly impact those writers whose names you don't know. Most of the writers, if you know any writer's name, it's because they won their Oscar winners, their 19 Emmys, whatever. They don't, they don't define right. middle-class writers, basically like me. I'm in the upper middle class of writers in Hollywood. I am nowhere near that ace level of, you know, nine yachts and island in the Caribbean mm-hmm. and all that crazy. I heard George Clooney own, get, get satellite time so he can make sure the Middle East ain't messing up on its own. Right. Like, okay, George, go, baby, go. But um, <laughs> really what happened was over the last 10, 15 years, they started making changes to how the business works backstage, with, which, which was destroying people's ability to make money. It was destroying their ability to make good TV. All the yeah. all the whining that people are doing about why do they keep remaking things? Why do they keep rebooting things? Why is this thing so trash and this thing only lasted two episodes or whatever it is? Right. None of that has anything to do with the writers. All of it has to do with people who don't know anything about making fiction for the masses going, mm-hmm. we need X amount of bucks by this month, by this month every quarter. Yeah. Okay. So they made all the rooms smaller. They started figuring ways to cut residual payments, they, right. which cuts into people's ability to put their kids through school, which cuts right. into their ability to make their, we, we, when we, because um, we're a union, 
we don't get insurance unless we make X amount of dollars per quarter, each individual. You're in right. commission. Interesting. Right. Like, so you have to vest, basically. And then if it falls off, you don't have insurance anymore. So right. part of the way you do that is residuals, right? So yeah. they show a show in China that I made four years ago. I don't make a lot of money, but if they show 9,000 episodes of it and I make a dollar each episode, that's nine. That's nine K. That yep. goes into my union. They take a cut. My agents take a cut. All these people take a cut. And at the end of it, I'm not rich, but I can live. Yeah. And if I yeah. have kids in school, if I have a, a parent or a spouse that needs extra medical stuff, that's just the insurance part of it. So at yeah. some point, somebody looked up and did the math. Wait a minute. We're actually making less now than we made in like 1995, but you're making us work more. Yeah. We're doing more. They were eliminating the positions. They're like, why do you have two of these? We don't have two of these. We have this assistant person who does this. And we have this other assistant person who does this. Well, that sounds like the same job. But you don't do this job. We do this job. <laughs> we need that second person. No, you just want right. that second person. That, other, that first person can do the same job and take the same salary. Yes, theoretically, maybe we could train them up and they could do it. But that's one person doing two jobs. So now you're getting... Yes more work for less money, which is attractive to these. Can I swear on your show? You prefer not these. I prefer not, heads, but if you just let bleep, it out, these bleep heads um, <laughs> uh, on, on the money side, they don't care about that. So right. that's one thing. Strike about that. Salaries went right. down as profits went up. These guys are writing themselves. Literally, if if they fail in a given year, they still make seven hundred million dollars or some nonsense. Yes, it's ridiculous, right? Exactly. So it was like, whereas if I fail, I'm fired, <laughs> and they don't send me a golden parachute of you know, thanks for your service. Right. Here's a year's salary on top of getting fired. They don't not do even anything. a watch, just not, a not paper. Out, get out, right? Yeah. So um, they don't fire me because I'm good, but um, <laughs> but. Uh, um, so there was that. Then they brought so, in this AI nonsense, right? Which yeah. people like me, I'm a tech head, so I've been on AI for nine years, almost 10 years now going, mm -hmm. mm, okay, mm, I see how this is going, <laughs> you know, yep. like that. And a lot of people in the arts especially are not tech savvy. So it kind of right. snuck up on them. And then a bunch of people like me were like, hey, yo, Hey, you need to pay attention to this. So people started paying attention. And basically the idea is they were doing all kinds of things and the actors are dealing with it. It's going to hurt writers less in the long run, but it's going to hurt anyone who does visual arts like aggressively fast. Absolutely. Um, they're already doing things like forcing. If you were an extra, let's say you decide, I just want to do extra work. You're an actor. You want to learn how to be on the set. Great way to do that and figure out how sets work is to be an extra for one show or one movie. Yes. You see everything. You see everything. You get paid basically to sit there and look cute in your whatever you wore to a business walk around. But you can learn, right? But they now make you get scanned, right? Body scans. <clears throat> Why? Without your consent or with your consent? Well, it's an interesting thing to fold the clause into a contract that you don't even know what that word means. And you go, hey, okay, sure. But let's say that this is just a perfect, this is an example. I know several actors, big actors, I know of, I don't, I don't know them personally, who mm -hmm. did extra work at first. Now, this is back in the day when they didn't have the scanning process. But let's say right. Brad Pitt. Let's just choose Brad Pitt, big, giant, global megastar. Started yeah. out doing a little bit of extra work. What happens if Brad Pitt got scanned back then 
and the studio owns that image. And then Brad blows up to Brad Pitt, but Brad doesn't exactly. want to do your movie. Well, you already own that scan. He can be wherever you put that scan. You, he signed off the rights to that scan. And if I'm Paramount and you're MGM, hey, you guys own that Brad Pitt scan, right? Yeah, here, right. we'll give you 100K a day for that, which is still going to be less than whatever Brad would get. Right. We fired him. We get that scan real quick for this little quick cameo we want to do in this movie? Have Brad Pitt walk by? Sure. Right? But Brad gets nothing because he signed his rights away. So yeah. that's that's the least of what can happen. Voiceover people were screaming about this five years ago because you can clone right. voice. Music industry, right. they're shady. Music, what is it? What is it? Uh, rule number whatever in eighty. Music people, music music industry people are shady. Um, right. They were already exploiting this. Um, what do you call it? Uh, deep fakes. The porn industry already exploiting yeah. this. Okay. Right. So if you watch music and porn to see how horrible things are going to get. If you have any sense, because a lot of technology right. is driven by them because they have money right on the street. They put their money right on the street. They're like drug dealers, basically. But um, so people got wind of that and they're like, no. And a lot of people still didn't get it. And it was like, look, as a writer, the way these it's not really an artificial intelligence. There's a whole TED talk I can give you on how it really works. Mm -hmm. it's not intelligent. That's a marketing tool. The actual thing basically does is it runs around the internet and it grabs up everything. And then you say, I want you to do X. I want you to write X or I want you to draw X or I want you to make it look like this kind of movie. And it runs around the internet and finds everything it can find that fits kind of that same sentence structure you just said. And then it right. shows you something. You go, no, not exactly right. Make the hair red. Make it Paris instead of Moscow. And it gives you another image. Mm, still not quite right. Can you change the light to this, 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 mm -hmm. and this? And then eventually you'll get the right thing. Or close enough that you don't care. Right? Because remember, right. you're not an artist. You're just a guy who's trying to make money to send to your shareholders every month. You don't care at all. Right? And you think the public's stupid that they'll just take it. Right? So you do that, that's with visuals. With words, you can, if I write a novel and you do that and try to, like I'm Stephen King and you try to bite my style, I can, right. I can sue you because my stuff's copyrighted. But it's a literary, yeah, exactly. Right? It's, it's considered literature or art. Right, but it's mine. I own it. Stephen King owns all of Stephen King's stuff, okay? Mm -hmm. Every book, every poem, everything, okay? So if you see a Stephen King-style book, and it can be clearly like, wait a minute, yo, no, no. The way it's he's written, seen, everything, yeah. Right, and he's got deep enough pockets, he can take you to the wall. Like somebody like it's not even copyright; it's trademark at this point. I'm, I'm sure. No, no, that's that's two different things. But yes, he probably is also trademarked. Yes, but yeah. Here's the thing: if you work for a studio, if you write for a movie, or if you write for a TV show, there's no source material, right? Yeah. So the owner of the copyright is the studio, not you. Mm -hmm. like, I've written hundreds of hours of TV at this point. I don't own any of that. The studio owns that. They right. can recombine it. They can cut and paste. They can do whatever they want. And they can have a, a, a chat GPT bot go through every every script I've ever written for their their company or their network. Yeah. Use whatever they want to train that that bot. And I can't do anything about it because I don't own those things. Okay. Right. As soon as I started telling people that, they were like, oh, Right. And I was like, yeah. And you're not a novelist. You don't do you don't own your work. You sell it right away. Right. OK. That's part of why we have these high salaries, because <laughs> you don't have any ownership. That's part of what they're buying with that high salary. 
right? So people, right. and there was other people like me, much more higher placed, going, yeah, it's like this. Plus, they could do other things like, I don't, I've tested out all of these systems, by the way. I had ChatGPT and all these other things. I said, you know, write me a script in this style, right? It's mm -hmm. terrible. They're terrible. They are terrible. I mean, <laughs> there's one thing that the, the robots can't do. What they can't fake is empathy. They don't. This is why I say it's not intelligence. They they can't do nuance. They can't do a, a quirk of an eyebrow. They can't do a tone of voice. They can't do emotion, really. All they can do is form. But there's more yeah. to art than form, right? You can go see something which is a very simple, no set, no big costumes, just words, people just talking to come out weeping and your life was changed. Or you go see Aladdin on Broadway and go, man, that was hollow. What the hell was that? I wasted my money. Right. You know? So it doesn't have anything to do with the form. It only has to do with what's in it. And the chat bots can't do that. And they will never be able to do that because it's not intelligence. The way it works is it just scrapes what already exists and goes, here's how right. the form works. So what the studios could do is, hmm, Dax sent us a not even Dax. There's no Dax. We see that there's a trend in the audience where they want to wear neon sweatsuits and they want to eat sushi. And that for some reason this year, everybody's um, uh, fascinated with India. Yeah. We need a script that uses all of that. We need a story and a script that uses all of that. ChatGPT, mm -hmm. go. Right? And it will kick right. something out. I promise you. Go try it right now. It will kick out right. something that looks fine. But when you hand it off to actual people, they'll be like, What? My eight-year-old can write better than this in crayon. Right, what are you right. Talking about? <laughs> right. And so, well, that's why we called you. We need you to do a rewrite. Right. Okay. But rewrites pay less than writing. Rewrites mm. confer fewer rights. Like you get lower. Just reviews, patching it up, pretty much. All of this stuff. So, if my first draft is always made by a robot, essentially. Then that's yeah. a whole bunch of money I don't have to spend. And when Jeff comes in as an actual person to make that amazing thing, amazing. Because there's a lot of bad writers who sell scripts, and then they bring in a good writer to fix it. So right. the model's already there. But if a robot does it, the studio owned everything, and they paid nothing for it. Okay? Right. You come in, and you're just writer number two from their point of view. You're like, you didn't originate this. We did. Fix it. Yeah. We're paying you to fix it, which is a lot less money. Yeah. Right? So it seems fine in the short. Like, you could see how you could sell this in a minute for, like, a year. But what happens is... It kills the industry because there's nobody coming up. There's nobody coming up under you to learn how to do it. Yeah. There's nobody who's who's being taught by better writers how to how to work in this system. And that they don't understand the target audience that you're reaching out to either. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care, they don't care about it. What you just said. Really? Blah, blah, it's blah, to, blah, that, blah, it's blah. to that point now. Blah 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 blah. That's nonsense. Nobody cares about that. <laughs> I'm telling you, nobody cares about that. Wow. Okay. What they will look at is. Remember, they don't think the public can tell the difference. They don't understand why Fast and the Furious works, right? And why uh, the Justice League movies lost all that money. They don't get it, mm -hmm. okay? And they don't care because they, re they think at some point within the next 15 years, if they follow their track, there'll be no actual real writers anymore, no one coming up. Guys, me, I'm already in my 50s. We will definitely age out and die. And then who's left? robots yeah. and you idiots in the public well you don't care you don't care if there's an actual Beyonce you just want someone who looks and sounds like Beyonce because you're right. idiots right? but that's not how it really works <laughs> they're, they're trying to there's a whole philosophical reason why it doesn't work but the bottom line is it doesn't work if you look at the history right. of the movie and TV and the, any arts industry there's no way to predict what's going to hit 
can't do it. Yeah. If they could, if anyone could come up with a model for, for absolute success in the arts, that person's a billionaire the next morning. Yeah. Right? What's your system? Oh, just do this, this, and this, and this. Damn, that's dope. How much for that? Oh, $80 billion every time you use it. Right. Cool. Have a check. Right? <laughs> right? Because right. it's, it's a formula that will work. It doesn't. There's no such thing. Most movies fail. Most albums fail. Most TV shows fail. The arts are like that because it depends on the audience to like it a lot. And mostly we're like, eh. I'm an audience on any project that I'm not writing. I'm just a guy in an audience. How many movies do yeah. I not go see? How many comics do I not buy? Most of them. Mm-hmm. Right? That's every movie. That's every book. That's every album. That's every concert. Most yeah. people don't do it. Right? So that's an automatic built-in failure that these guys from the tech industry and from Wall Street, they hate that. So they're trying to control it. And I'm like, you can't. It's art. You're going to come back to what it actually is eventually, and you're going to waste a lot of money in the meantime, which is exactly what happened. So the strike... But the crazy part is, the crazy part about that is, Jeff, is that everything that you just said is a common practice done in every industry. Yep. yep. And this is something, the minute that this strike that you guys were putting up and did SAG after put up, I when I figured out everything that was going on, I'm like, this is me leaving corporate a long time ago in 2015 because of this very same situation. Yeah. When you talk about piling on work, I can't wait to have my wife listen to this. <laughs> when, I had, when I talk about piling on work for one pay, I had yeah. multiple... I had jobs from multiple different occupations right. in one with one title with right. one pay. Right. I, there was no hope of upward mobility whatsoever. And you can't. No normal person. I mean, there there be there will be a Mozart of each one of these things. There will be a prince for every job. Right. There'll be somebody yeah. who can play every instrument, do everything, take that low salary, and not die. But most people can't do it like that, and these guys don't care. I, these guys. You said that care. because I was mentally drained. Of course, you I were. was with this company from 2005 to 2015, and by that time there was so much. It was it was just too much, and every yeah, day yeah. felt like gravity was just and, weighing down on me to the point that, like, by yeah, whatever product you make, it doesn't matter what the product is. It's very easy to point out in the movie industry because the risk of making these products is so high. But let's yeah. say it's cars. Let's say it's freaking. Pardon me. Let's say it's toothpaste. Whatever it is, right the quality of the thing will automatically drop. Because again, you're gutting the ability of people who know how to do it. Like you stay in a company 10 years, maybe you stay 20, but there's no one coming up behind you who you can teach how to do it because nobody can do it anymore. And they're like, well, that's right. fine, we'll just have robots do it. It's like, yeah, you think that, but in the end, it'll be a product that nobody wants. And what will happen is you'll certainly start seeing all these mom and pop versions, local things neighborhood things, city-based things, and where's all your profits going, McDonald's? Oh, it's going to all these mom-and-pop chains, not even chains, right. because they're making food that people can taste. Right, right. They're writing and doing things that people can see and feel. You don't care about that. You think it's all one thing. But yeah. they don't want to hear it until you punch them in the face with a two-by-four. So that's what there the you spike go. was. That's what the there you go. So, that's it. So, again, going back to the other question of, like, what did you guys get out of it? You said that they were, oh, so you got, we got a lot more. We got protections on room size. We got protections on, um, against AI, which, yeah, we got protections. We got all the stuff that we needed to, to sustain the industry, basically. 
uh, and we yeah. cost California about five hundred million. Was it either was it five hundred million or five hundred billion dollars? I can't remember what letter goes on the front, but enough where the governor was like, "Look, y'all," <laughs> and we were like, uh, "Gavin, you have one good side to be on. You better make the right choice, homie." The there mayor of L.A. was like, I might have to get involved. And we were all like, you better get involved on the right side, sis, if you ever want that job again. There like, you go. Don't play. And what you've seen around the country, Amazon workers, uh, the, the Teamsters. Starbucks. Starbucks. People are like, we are not robots. Humans are yeah. not robots. And you're not going to treat us that way. And COVID taught a whole bunch of workers like, wait a minute. They can't do any of this without me. And exactly. Like, what? Oh, hell no. <laughs> And you get to treat me like how? Oh, hell there, no. <laughs> right? I was so happy to see that because it, like, made me feel better because I've already done it in 2015. Right. And it was just, like, I know my self-worth. Yeah. And know I know they're, not tr they're trying to pretend like I don't have worth, but they right. still are trying to get out of me. That's right. That I have worth. I'm not playing this game. I'm out. And well, my mental at, health was not trying to hear it. That's right. And, you know, you get one life. Whatever your faith values are, your version of you that exists right now, if you believe in reincarnation, it ain't in this you. universe, if you believe yes. in heaven, that's not you here. Whatever you believe in, you get one shot. And these people are yes. eating up your shot. They think you don't have value. You better value yourself. They took away my entire 30s. That's what I'm saying. And I was... And, and you I was can not. Sell that. By the way, that's what a salary is. You're paying for me to not live my happy, good life and dedicate oh. that time and mental energy to you. That's why you're yeah. paying me. Okay? There you go. This is fine. It's my right to say yes to that or no. But if I'm going to work here, I'm not breathing this damn coal dust, man. Give me some filters that don't give me black lung, okay? That's not. Oh, well, we're going to pass that cost on to the customer. Pass it on, yo. I don't care. You better <laughs> let me not get black lung. Do what you got to do. Mm -hmm. I don't care about them. I'm trying not to die. Right? There you go. So at the end of the day, they ultimately will learn the lesson. And in the meantime, they make a lot of money on the suffering of people. They don't yeah. care. Right? And I say it. Well said. close it out like this. You're going to see a lot more strikes because what they ultimately want is, and it makes me sad because... People get mad at the, 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 they get mad at the incoming, they'll call me a lefty when I'm really more of a pragmatic capitalist. Um, mm -hmm. All these people coming across the border coming here basically because they're getting shot at and raped and killed back home and they got to eat. Yeah. And they come here and they do jobs. Really, if, uh, if, a, um, if let's just say an agricultural company put up a one ad, said, we would like you to come and work in our fields, um, picking... Just choose a cotton. Just, I'll say cotton because I'm black. Just pick a cotton for us. <laughs> yeah, okay. Go ahead. What right. the hell? <laughs> From dawn till deep into the evening, you and your kids, we're going to pay you less than minimum wage. You're not going to have any real rights, and you're not going to mm -hmm. have insurance, and we don't care about your health because if you drop, we just drag you off the field and replace you with another guy who's that desperate. Right. Americans, come do that. Who's signing up for that job? Nobody. Okay? Nope. But they will steady get mad at the immigrant worker, the black worker. Right, that's coming in, taking our jobs. I'm like, were you doing that job? You cleaning all these houses? You cleaning all these hotels? Is that you? You signing up for that? Really? I don't see your faces when people come to my door delivering food. I see a bunch right. of Romanians and Africans and and uh, uh, Latin Americans. I see that face. I don't, you know, I don't see you. So what job is being taken? No, what's really happening right. is the big companies that are eating little farms eating little everything, okay, 
if Ford Motor Company or Toyota, whoever the hell you want to choose, as soon as Boston Dynamics comes up with a robot that can do your job, you're out. Yeah. You are out. Every truck driver is looking at these self-driving driving cars going, ooh, I might want to buy one of those. Like, honey, you ain't going to have a job to buy that car with. That's for you. Exactly. First person getting replaced is your ass. First that's my that's always that's always been my question though what is the end game for all this ai what is it going to do for it's us to, it's, to, it's to serve only their bottom line without realizing what it's going to do to society and what you're going to exactly have, what you're going to have is a whole lot of very suddenly out of work mostly men who want to feel like men and you're not letting them they can't provide for their families they're not doing the job that requires muscle they don't have a college right. degree, whatever. Not that, you, not that you have to have one. Who cares? But right. they used to have a livelihood. They used to have a community. They used to have all this stuff. And their whole self Meaning, is yeah. based on being able to go down that mine or chop down that tree or drive that truck or whatever the hell it is. All of those kind of jobs replaced by robots in the next 15 years. That's fast. Yeah. And they're not retraining anybody. They're just showing them the pink slip. Right. Okay. And those guys are going to get mad 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 and a lot of it's going to get pointed at brown people a lot of it's going to get pointed at black people a lot of it's going to get pointed at queer people because the real enemy looks like them mm -hmm. and they're going to tell that's us that's pretty i mean that's pretty much plain and simple there that's what it is our industry was the canary in the coal mine for everybody else uh and they try to front this whole thing like well it was just a bunch of rich people yelling at a bunch of rich people we're talking yeah. about middle class writers we're talking about people who make what you make in a city, by the way, where what you make won't cut it. What you make in a normal city, what I make in Los Angeles, if I went to St. Louis or someplace like that, I could. I looked at a house. Oh my God, it broke my heart. My friend was like, "Well, I'm from Cleveland. I'm, you know, another friend of mine from St. Louis. So I just for one one time looked at the housing prices there. I saw a house that looked like Mark Twain built it with his own hands, and it was like, wow. oh damn, it had a yard and it stretched out back to what I guess was one of the Great Lakes and all of this stuff and I was like damn how much this you know this would be like 18 million 20 million dollars out here 42 grand Oof. okay and I was like my salary in that town would make me very well off my salary here yeah. makes me middle class just middle that's class. like yeah it's like if you if you take your money and go to uh, like India or one of those outskirts yeah, I'd be balling <laughs> like hell Okay. Exchanging well, it for rupees. Dude, I'm just a dude with a nice little duplex that I pay pay money on every month. I pay rents. I am a rent paying man. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> so they can't sell that image because too many people step up and go, not really though. Um uh and the big movie stars are the same way. I always tell people, don't forget about the writers, look at them, look at the actors. The actors yeah. whose names you know, those are like the one percent of the one percent. Of the one yeah. percent, like they are balling in a way that you can't picture, and you're right, they're living in that Beyonce Jay Z world. Fine, yeah, yeah. But that's not everybody. That's not even most. That's not even ninety percent of the people you see on TV. All those actors you don't know, all those names you don't know, all those faces you go, oh, I kind of remember that guy from that other show. Even that is too big. Okay. Yeah. This industry does not work without all of those middle class actors, and all the changes they're trying to make kills them. Yeah, And again, this industry is based on, oh my God, Beyonce concert, Taylor Swift concert, George Clooney's going to show up somewhere. What's, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Timothy Chalamet or whoever the hell the new, the new friend. Right. right? But they got to blow up from somewhere. 
all of these changes they're making eliminate that somewhere. There's no, there's no building up. There's people who's younger than both of us who are constantly talking about like all these Disney Channel shows they watched when they were in their teens and their in their tweens. I didn't watch those shows. I was grown by then. I don't know what the hell they're talking about, right? <laughs> Did you remember so and so? Like Miley Cyrus's entire career is based on Hannah Montana. Yeah, it really is. Which I never watched. I was grown. I don't care about Hannah damn Montana. Who cares? You were, right? you were, yeah, I was aware of it myself, but I, it was I like. Was already well grown by the time all that happened. Right. The kids grew up together. So she's one of their stars. But if there's no Hannah Montana, there's no Miley Cyrus. And the changes right. that they're making eliminate Hannah Montana because she now becomes a, a AI created fake show to fill up your afternoon. But there's nobody right. for her to grow up to become. There's no Britney Spears. There's no Christina Aguilera. None of that happened. Right. Right. And there's no, there's no, Dave Grohl was talking about this with, with, uh, he was, he was yelling about the America, what's it, the, the music show, America, uh, uh, Idol? Yeah, American Idol. He's like, that's not how you start yeah. a band. What are you talking about? You don't like line right. up and go and let five judges tell you you got it. What the hell is that? <laughs> Right? You, like, you and your boys get some crap instruments and get in the garage and get told to shut up because you make too much noise for about five years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? And then maybe, like, if you're good, you get somewhere. And if you if you crap, you don't. Be exactly. Right. Like, I grew, right. up, I grew up in it. Look, I grew up in an era where, like, how the Four Tops got to be, how the Temptations got to be, how New Edition got to be. Yep. And then... They're the Spice Girls, who like never knew each other from a day in their life. And so they and created that slowly, right. And if they could made the Spice Girls out of cardboard and 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 computer code, there'd have been no Spice Girls either. But right, that's where they think it's going to go because again, they don't realize that part of the fun of all of this is part of the the hype of all of this is you know that a person did it. The right? journey, yes, right, absolutely. Like, are you going to even if you should, like? There's what the League of Legends is a giant. Like esports is a giant thing in most of the world, right? Yeah. But esports is not me sitting down and watching, I don't know, Street Fighter fight Street Fighter. There's a guy yeah. or a girl on the other end of that fighter fighting. So the, at the end right. of the day, I'm not even really concerned with which character they use. I'm like, damn, homegirl kicked his ass. Exactly. But, like but we know, we the know person. the names of the actual e athletes because that's at this who, point, that's who matters. It's a person. Right. Right. Same thing with the with the movies. You could make a perfectly designed woman for your TikTok influencer, and apparently, the most important TikTok influencer. I don't watch TikTok. I don't care about that either because I am too old to give a shit. Pardon me. Mm -hmm. But um, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I swear too much. But um, <laughs> but um, the biggest influencer is a computer generated woman with giant boobs and very little clothing. Okay. Mm -hmm. but that's TikTok. That's like eating the freaking yeah. M and M on your way somewhere. That's not really you're right, going right. up to a concert or reading her book, right? That's just you know whatever it is for TikTok. <laughs> but that's 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 this right. generation's Max Hedrum, right? But, it's, but even <laughs> they think of it as nothing. Even they think of it as nothing, right? Right. So when everything's hollowed out like that, they will just stop paying attention. What you might see is a huge resurgence in the theater, lots more live performances, mm -hmm. things like that. But that basically is killing industries, not saving them. That's killing people's jobs, not 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 making yeah. it easier. And the horrible thing about it is, to me, that's what the strike was about because that's corporations screwing their employees or screwing their contractors, basically. Yeah. But put it on the other side, and this is what drives me nuts. 
let's say you're Spike Lee and you're starting out right now. People don't realize, most of the people probably listening to your show don't realize Spike Lee wasn't always Spike Lee. Spike Lee was just some right. scrappy, weird dude in, in New York who's like, I'm going to make some movies. Well, you're broke. Like, yeah. I'm going to make some movies. Shut up. Right? And, right. and he went and basically took every credit card he had, cashed in every favor he mm -hmm. had, and he made She's Gotta Have It on what we would call a micro, 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 micro budget. If you can ever go find the bio he wrote about how he made that movie, you probably haven't even ever seen. Cause I did. Not you. Yeah. I'm talking to audience. Yeah. <laughs> um, shut up. Uh, but, um, but go find go find the story of a book. Just she's got to have it. The book, and also a book called yeah. Rebel Without a uh, Rebel Without a Crew by Robert Rodriguez because they both made their first mm -hmm. movies around the same time. Robert, Robert Rodriguez was selling his blood literally to make money for this thing. Okay, fast forward to now. Those guys don't exist. They're trying to start out to do the same thing right now. All this AI stuff would let that kid not have to spend all that money. They can make yeah. She's Gotta Have It. They could do a whole bunch of stuff. So you get a whole lot of voices in the arena. You get a whole lot of players in the art world who just not having enough money would have kept out before. I'm all for yeah. that. I'm all for that. I would throw all of this stuff for free into every low-rent, quote-unquote, ghetto in the country. I'd throw it into Appalachia. Mm -hmm. I'd throw it into every barrio, right? Because somewhere in there is a Martin Scorsese. Somewhere in there is a Steven Spielberg who's never going to get a shot because they don't have the money and they don't have the opportunity. They don't even have the knowledge that maybe they could do that. Throw all that yeah. back at them and let them play. You see these Nigerian kids? They're kids making like some guys did a, a street fight in their little beat up, busted out town in the middle of Africa where they got no money. They're shooting it on their cell phones. And I was like, well, that's a second unit director right there. That's a stunt coordinator. Holy crap. These kids, right. did this, how old were they? You better hire all of them. Like all of right. them, right? But imagine if they had these tools, right? Then you'd be seeing like a huge resurgence of freaking nuclear bomb of creativity coming out of places, the same kind of places that created hip hop, which could never yeah. be created right now because of the way things work, right? Right. Hip hop dominates this planet in almost every artistic form right now, okay? Yeah. That was made by a bunch of uh, Puerto Rican and black kids who had no, no money to run together. 30, 45 years ago, they had nothing. Yeah. They, lived in a, they lived in hell, and they made an art form out of it. But they made it out of the bits and pieces, the refuse of other art forms. Well, that That's the one thing I love about the, about the art and the genre of that. Like, God, and it's been 50 years, too, I mean, like, yeah. by the way. Like, it's just an amazing what we could do when we only have scraps. Right, but this isn't scraps. This tech will allow you to make Star Wars if you're smart. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't cost that much, but you need a computer, you need a couple of things, but you don't need as much as you think because the cost of a turntable yeah. and all of those albums back then, roughly the same. And that little sound yep. system you had to have is roughly the same. So I'm f all for the masses, the regular people getting to play with this stuff because that's where great art comes from. What I'm not yeah. here for is corporations using it to destroy things because they want to make a hundred million extra bucks this quarter. What do you need? Right. You got how many yachts can right. you sail in at once, man? That's that. That is. I'm so glad you said that. That's my point. It was like, and I don't know. I don't know what the streaming networks are doing right now because they're hiking prices. Oh, I um, you what. Uh, yeah, I, go ahead. Because here's my theory. Here's okay, my theory. Go, but I know go. you probably got more insight than this. Go. I'll tell you exactly. What I feel like this. I feel like they know what's about to happen, and they're taking it out on us. 
<laughs> because they know they're about to lose a war that they can't compete in. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Listen. I've been people, saying that for weeks on my show, and I'm like, I feel like we're getting the brunt end of what's about to happen. That's not a feeling that you do in the math. This is not rocket science. Listen. Right. Netflix started going crazy with money. They were spending yep. crazy billions of dollars, billions of dollars. And everybody mm -hmm. else was like, Netflix, what the hell are you doing, man? What are you doing? Why are you spending all this money? Right. You can't possibly, even if you hit every time, you can't, you're never going to make the dash. Ah, shut up. We're expanding. <laughs> right? And everybody's like, I mean, I guess they know what they're doing. They keep knocking it out of the park and they want to, we better do that too or they're going to leave us behind. And then everybody started doing that. And all these people who were in the know, people who make this stuff right. were like, what are you people doing? This is not going to work. This can't right. work. It, look, look, again, you don't have to be an accountant. You don't have to have a high math degree. If you over leverage this far, at some point you're going to move past the line where you can recoup your money. Right. The, the, the rule for these people is keep expanding, right? As yeah. long as we keep expanding, it doesn't matter how far we lean forward because there's always more space. But the problem is there's a finite amount of space. One, biggest market in the world, the United States. Only half the population is wired because you all didn't want to spend the money to wire the whole country. So right. basically, the big sort of hubs are you, what you would guess. Cap cities, big places, mm -hmm. lots of people concentrated are wired. Everybody else, figure it out. Right? Use that dish TV, which is not wired. Okay? Right. One. So what do we do? We're going to go to Korea. We're going to go to India. We're going to go to other places. And I'm like, yeah, but everybody there... They're bad copies of us. They're best thing. We invented this, all of this. So all of them are trying to do what we do. I'm not saying anything's wrong with it. Like Bollywood is a bigger industry than Hollywood, technically, money-wise. But mm -hmm. that's because Indians spend all their money on that. And there's a lot more Indians than there are of everybody else. Right? right? In terms of trying to sell that stuff overseas, good luck. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Right, you can see. Same with Koreans. The Koreans are doing a great, great genre cinema. They make great crime movies, great space movies, great action movies. But everybody's Korean. They don't have any right. ethnic diversity. So at a certain point, they're going to cap out, which is exactly what happens. You keep funneling it back, yeah. basically us, and to a lesser extent, the Brits. Right to a much lesser extent, the Brits. And what does that mean? <laughs> right. it means that you can't keep expanding. You physically can't keep expanding. Shut up. We keep on expanding. We're going to keep growing. No, you're not. You mm -hmm. can't. You're going to tap out. And then you will have right. all of this debt. You will owe so many people. How are you going to pay that back? Oh, I know. We'll jack up our prices and we'll add commercials. Commercials? You mean what we already had that we got for free? That right. was the whole point of commercials. So we wouldn't have to pay for anything. So now we're exactly. paying you for shows that you're getting money from the from the ad companies to make, but we're paying you to watch them? Huh? Right? right? But that was a scramble, right? It's all to make sure that they get out of debt. It's all to cover their big, giant losses. But you know who didn't make losses? The presidents of those companies. Yeah. All of them got raises. And I mean raises like could feed a town in the United States, could cure mm. Flint's water crisis. That kind of a raise wow. for one year's work. A failing. Okay. How about that? So, yeah, yeah. Everybody's about to pay through the neck 
on this. It's an unsustainable model, which everyone told them up front, you can't do this. Right. Not, please don't do this. It's bad. It's morally bad. It literally will not work. It will not right. work. Yeah, it will. No, it won't. Watch. <laughs> and it didn't. And it's not. And now everything's going to have rate hikes and they're going to claim all this crap. And all it is is they thought they knew everything and they didn't. And reality smacked them in the face. And now they got to pretend like they had a plan. They didn't have a plan. Money was the plan. That was the plan. They got greedy. God, born. What do you mean, God? <laughs> You're so greedy, they could take their blood, turn it into a drug that made you more greedy. That's how greedy they are. So, as far as the SAC Afterstrike goes, okay. what are your thoughts on the progress of that? And, you know, just rumors in circle around that right. they may be coming close to a okay. negotiation Here's from here. Rule. What is your thoughts? Here's your rule. What we learned, what we try to teach the young ones in the, in the WGA. If mm -hmm. you're not hearing it from your negotiating committee directly, it's a lie. There you go. There you go. It's a lie. It's not even close to the truth. Like everything you read in Deadline, Variety, Hollywood Reporter, lies. Straight up lies. All of it is the same trick bag that they try to use to manipulate the scared, basically the newbies. Right? Oh no, what will happen? They're going to hold a grudge. They're going to be mad at us. You know, will we ever work again? You know, you better hurry up and say yes. No. No, yeah, they do that because they're scared because they already lost once. Yeah, they lost on exactly the same points that they're going to lose to the actors. The actors have a stronger hand. They have a way stronger hand. Theoretically, writers are faceless. So theoretically, yeah. like if I ever get into a conflict with my perfect example, I won't. Oh, never mind. I won't say that. Let me put it to you like <laughs> this: You create a show. I create a show, but you're the star of it, right? The mm -hmm. first year, you get out of hand. I might be able to fire you. The second year, it's going to be a fight. The third year, yeah. if, you, if you get out of hand, you might fire me. Because the network's mm -hmm. like, well, the audience doesn't know who you are, Jeff. They're, they're watching Dax. So right. somebody got to go. Sorry, homie. Thanks for the show. Bye. Right, right. Right? So that's what they basically need to remember now. That's what the actors need to remember now. As long as they stay strong, we forced the heads of all of those companies to actually show up and say, look, yeah. fix this. Give them what they want. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, basically, that's and we had the weakest hand. So if the actors remember that, they'll win. Yeah. Simple as yeah. that. Everything you read in the trade so, paperback trades is a lie. A lie. Here's another here's another thing that I noticed too that there's a there's been a I don't want to say an abundance. <laughs> Of cancellations but there's been quite a few cancellations of shows that's been on is is do you believe that that's a, another spiteful no type I don't, of thing I think, I think when people attach emotionality to a lot of this stuff unless it's like mm -hmm. an equal level i'm going to use george clooney because his name's in my mind for some reason but let's say george right. clooney and kevin feige get into some kind of beef personally yeah yeah that could cause some stuff to happen right because that's two giant that's Goliath versus that's King Kong versus Godzilla. Okay. Right, but right, right. The, the studio didn't like me. They just stopped hiring me. Like, they're not mm -hmm. canceling my show because the writers won something. They're not doing that. What they're looking at is Marvel's a good example. They followed this ever expansion flood the market model, which didn't work, cost them billions of dollars, which they tried to hide from their shareholders and people are getting in trouble, getting sued for that. But. Yeah. End of the day, if they're scrapping stuff, it's because we can't afford it. Like, yeah. we spent too, it's our fault. 
they overspent, you know, like you said. You're paying for us making a mistake. Um, And it's that same model of they like Star Wars. Let's give them as much Star Wars as they can handle every day. It's like, yeah, Yeah. that might not work the way you think. Like, you got to give people time to love something and tell their friends. Sparingly. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like if I could get it every perfect example, people like how long has the Rolling Stones been on their last ever tour? <laughs> How about that? For like five years now, they're making sure they milk out every last drop, right? But the reason is, is that once it's gone, it's gone. Um, yeah. Once you know, an older or more of it, you see, like the less, it's scarcity, right? If it's not a lot of it, you pay more for it. It's a premium product. If I can get any yeah. kind of Star Wars I want, any time I want, on any device I want, then who cares? It's always yeah. going to be there, you know, and yeah. you can tell because Paramount almost made the same mistake with Star Trek and they went, wait a minute, wait a minute. Those guys, <laughs> they, did the have an, they did have an abundance of Star Trek uh, content well, on that you channel. You got no idea what they had planned though. They were about to go oh. buck wild on Star, Star, Star Trek and mm-hmm. not like they haven't already, but they're like, no, 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 we're good. We're good. We're going to stand. We're going to, we don't need any new cards. Yeah. We're good. We're not going to. We're good, right? But only after watching right. the crash and burn of what happened with the MCU and with uh, and with Star Wars, and there's nothing wrong with the product. It's just too much, too fast. Like you got. That's, I, I, I honestly, I do believe that. That um, there's a term, and I had this situation uh, that I've been this word I've been hearing in the zeitgeist of you know social media and whatnot. Superhero fatigue. Nope. I hear nope. this. But, hold on. Yeah. I, I look. Wait. Hold on. I hear this all the time, and I feel like this that that term doesn't exist. It's nonsense. It's a, to it's that a, it's you nonsense. say what? It's nonsense. First of all, the people who are saying that they are the people who they personally just don't like all these damn superhero movies existing. Okay, that's point one. I just They're said just that on social mad. media. They're just <laughs> butthurt that all these people love this stuff. Okay, Preach it. Going, that's, that's a terrible movie. Like, well, it's terrible to you, but it's art. So if you don't like it, you're right. But if I like it, I'm also right. That's how art works. But more importantly, they used to say that about Westerns. What you're met, what, people don't care about any of that. People exactly. don't care, audiences don't care about any of that, what they're saying. That's some nonsense critics made up to sell newspapers. It doesn't make any sense. People will go see movies they like, and they won't go see movies they don't like. And when you come out of exactly. a movie you don't like, the first thing you do is call your friends and clown that movie. And if you come out of a movie you like, the first thing you do is call your friends and go, yo, you need to come down here and see Fast and Furious 97. I know you hated 10. <laughs> 97 is, the, you know, like, they got it back, man. You got to come see this, you know. And the proof right. of that is the first Avatar movie, which I got into an argument with a room full of writers because I had the nerve to mm-hmm. like James Cameron's Avatar. And I was like, yeah, me and like <laughs> three billion other people love this movie. Yes. Okay. Exactly. I, I, I feel bad for myself. I should be ashamed of myself. Whatever, writers. Here's what happened. My I'm sorry to the vocal minority. Yo. <laughs> yeah, okay. We're a vocal minority. Uh-huh. But I went to that movie the second week it was out. It was a right. two and a half hour movie before that was the norm. Right? Some crazy right. long ass movie. Yeah, it wasn't deep. But it wasn't pretending to be deep. Okay. Right. I came out of that movie like, holy crap, that movie. What was that? I need to go. While I'm standing there, some kid runs out with his buddies, 
gets on his cell and they were all on their cells and they were like, I've seen it twice today. Y'all need to get down here now before the rush of the evening, right? We're going to be here all night. And I'm like, they spent six hours watching this movie and they're about to go back and they want their friends to come down for the Avatar party, right? And I was like, yup, yup. You know, so there's no such thing as that. What it is is no. what happened to Westerns. Which, by the way, if you go and yeah. pick it up on Prime or any of these other things, you know what you're going to find? A whole lot of Westerns. <laughs> okay. Paramount. Paramount is trying to bring it back. Like <laughs> It never went anywhere. Here's what happened. Right. These Westerns were really big, like in the late 50s into the mid-60s. They got big. It was, our, it was our MCU at the time. Right. And people figured out ways to make them cheaper, figured out ways to do stuff with the genre that wasn't like, so there's all kinds of different kinds of Westerns, right? And yeah. everybody was eating that mess up. But what happens is what always happens. Like, oh, they like Westerns. Well, aren't all Westerns basically the same? Yeah. Well, let's make a lot of Westerns. Let's set them in the desert, give them some cowboy stuff. We'll get a guy that kind of looks like Clint, shoots a bunch of people, right? Like, we can do a TV show like that. We can make a musical Western. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, cool. Right? And they started doing that. And what happened? Most of the product got crappy. They're making too yeah. much of it too fast, thinking, oh, they're making a point like, I'm about to make. Right. I want to see a. Sh- I, they like the sheriff with a badge and he's got a square jaw and he, he kind of talks like this. Mm-hmm. doesn't say much. Okay, do all that and put it out. And people were like, no, those are bad movies. And then Unforgiven came out and people were like, the Western is back. And I'm like, the Western did not go anywhere. The Western, they've been making Westerns. You guys just don't like them because most of them are crap. This was a good one. Right. Yeah, exactly. They're generalizing it's based on something that they had a bad experience with and assuming that that's the same thing. The same thing with superhero movies. Nobody's... Now, I said, the same, I said the same thing in terms of it's not the genre. It's the story within the genre. And if they make a great story, you cannot deny that's correct. the substance of it regardless. That's correct. That's correct. And that's why you superhero have, movie fatigue does not exist. It does not exist. That's nonsense. They want that's their wishful thinking. I wish this would go away. Every time Scorsese comes out and goes, they're killing our industry. I'm like, sit down, Martin. Go make another gangster. I just don't understand. It's like he, he it's like the solo Roger Ebert just got into his system and he just all of a sudden. Yo, <laughs> go like... make another gangster picture for three hours. <laughs> okay. There's a bunch of people who love that. Okay. I like right. a lot of your movies, but let's not get it twisted. You make movies, man. That's my thing. I, 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 he kind of turned me off, even though I'll still probably go see it. I wanted to see his his recent film, uh-uh. but uh-huh. his his attitude to like feel like nothing else can exist on a canvas, no, like no a, other medium can fit on a canvas. The, it's an insult to the audience and an artificial elevation of what you think you are. Okay, um, there's a director writer called John Sales that nobody ever talks about. He made a movie called Mate One. Yeah amongst many, many others. He's possibly, to me, he's in the top 10 greatest living filmmakers. He writes, directs, mm-hmm. edits, and sometimes acts in, like Spike does, like some of these other guys do. He's all he's an auteur, yeah. right? But the kind of movies he makes, Hollywood ain't trying to do that. <laughs> mm. um, do yourself a favor, go watch Mate One and trip out. Um, but mm. um, Mate One, M-A-T-E-W-A-N. Um, James Earl Jones gotcha. leads. It was made in like late 80s, oh. early 90s. It, it's apropos of everything we're talking about today. Um, but point is, we make commercial art. You can pretend like you're right. Shakespeare or Charles Dickens. Your ass makes commercial art. Okay. Right. Um, fast. The fast. The fast X movies. 
People mad at him. A lot of critics hate him. Okay. But what I say, my friend and I go see him all the time, and I, I consider myself a fairly fairly intelligent man. Um, right. They show those. They show their trailers every time before their movie. They tell you, this mm. is what you're going to get if you come see this movie. And then you go see that right. movie, and you get exactly what the hell they told you you were going to get. And since you saw the trailer and you liked that, and then you got what they told you you were going to get, you go back for the next one. Because in that next trailer, they told you what you're going to get in that movie. And then you go to the right. movie, and they, you get what they told you you were going to get. And you're happy. That is how it works. Right. That's it. Right. And it can be a comedy. It can be a mystery. It can be a horror movie. It can be anything you want. But you make a promise, and then you fulfill it. Mr. Scorsese and those of his ilk, they came up during the 70s and the 80s where they were being treated like gods all the time. You know? Exactly. And God bless them. They made some great stuff. But please don't get it twisted, sir. You make paperback books just like everybody else. Okay? Time will tell if you're Shakespeare. You don't tell me. Okay? Enough said. In a hundred years, they'll decide. And maybe it's the Russo brothers. You don't know. It's not up to you. It could be the right. Russo brothers. It could be James Wan. Right. Don't know. And you can't know. Was that in the Hamilton thing? Nobody, you don't know you, <laughs> who lives, who dies, who tells your story. That's the exactly. Facts, so that's the fact. So just let's get that and, and off it, the high horse, please. I, I just kind of always have reason to believe that he's never watched one of those movies. Who cares? Like, he's right. I, I get it. I get that. You know but I mean? like, for he's him, just for him. Those movies are automatically bad. And he's right. It's art. If that's not the kind of art that appeals. Look, there's an artist called Rothko. Uh, um, a uh, painter, like a, uh, what do they call it? Abstract painter from the, like, 60s and 70s. I hate Rothko. Mm -hmm. He paints these squares that are basically color gradations, right? And yeah. I'm like, this guy's a scam artist. I saw the work he did before he figured out the trick, <laughs> right? And he couldn't draw. I can draw better than Rothko. I can paint better than Rothko. There's a lot of artists okay. out there that are making much cash doing some, like, right. what he, they call contemporary. Right, but he came up with this trick. I'm going to do these things, and I'm going to have a great explanation for what it means. I'm going to give it a title. Yeah. It makes you go, oh, oh, that's deep, right? And then rich people are going to buy it for thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and then for it's classic. I hate Rothko. Right. If I could find him, or Roy Lichtenstein, who ripped off comic books and blew them up and took panels from, <laughs> literally lifted panels from yes. other people's work and made himself yes. a millionaire while these people are How suffering. did that happen? How did he get away with that? Yo, how is his legs not perpetually broken? How is he not getting thrown downstairs? <laughs> I never understood he that. He's lucky he's already dead, from my point of view. Cause Let no, that be something I drew or right, something like that. No like, shit. <laughs> No, oh, sorry. Yeah, exactly. I, no, but you're fine. These guys. I, I would like to. I would love to see him try to pull a Jim Lee but look, version of that. And see what happens. Here's the point. Rothko's a giant deal, and I have friends who will go out of their way, personal friends, if they could get their hands on an original Rothko. They're not like highbrow freaky. You know, I'm going to show it at cocktail parties. That work. His work did something to their hearts. It made, they made. He made them mm -hmm. feel something. So they're not wrong. There's a significance to it, right? There's something that touched them about it, which is the job of the piece. Right? Me, mm -hmm. I'm like, yo, Correct. I can literally just do that in the afternoon on Photoshop. Like, not even an afternoon, in about 20 minutes, and I'll get a, uh, I can print it out on a fake canvas that looks like it's, so it's got a little texture to it, and then you can right, right. get to Rothko. But the person who's touched by it is right. That's the thing. That's the problem. See, so, and I, that's what we were taught in art and design course, and I get it. But it, I'm up, my rule, my rule, because of what I was taught when I was, you know, doing graphic design and all this stuff, it's like one to, one rule that my that my old professor used to say. He said, 
if you can't, if you turn away from it in less than a minute, it's a fail. Wow. That's one. Damn. Okay. Yeah, which is why I never failed that class. Right. Okay. <laughs> I was I was told that I was very asymmetrical with my work. That's great. Two. <laughs> Jesus, that's strict. Holy crap. Hey, come on, the art game, the art game ain't, ain't pretty, man. That's true. That's <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> and m- one of my, part of my motivation after hearing that was to make sure not to get an F in that class. Right. And I didn't. Right. So, right. <laughs> two was to like significance matter and like if you could tell me the significance of why your piece makes sense, whether it is, you know, um, color combination and, and, and fill and, and significance to that matter. What is this meaning? If you could tell me the story of this, I'll be okay with it. Right. But if you can't, and you can't explain it to me, I'm skeptical. No. I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical. I, I you know, I went to art school, but I went for theater, but we had to take mm-hmm. art, the art classes, some of the art classes as well. Like they had to take some right. theater classes. And I was in one of these classes and somebody put up a piece of work and whatever. It was abstract. It could have been anything, whatever. And then they sort of explained what they meant and they gave it a cool title. I forget what it was and all this kind of stuff. And I raised my hand and the teacher was mad at me forever after this. And I believe I might have been asked not to come back, which was, Mm. are you going to go to every art show with this piece and give that explanation? And after you die... Are you going to leave a recording of you giving this explanation? Because I'm here to tell you, if I walked into a gallery and you weren't there to say all of what you just said about that amazing story that led up to this painting. And you couldn't figure it out yourself? It's not going to do anything to me. That just looks like you nailed some stuff to a board and threw some paint splotches at it. (laughs) And I'm not saying it's not what you say it is. I'm saying if you're not present to give me what you just said, which is, I think, more important than the actual piece. Like, I'd rather listen yeah. to the rest of that story than watch this piece that right. you've made. Then what is the point of making the art? What is the point of it? Why did you bother to point. do this? Because no one can get what you just said out of just looking at it, and at some point you'll die. Right. You won't be present to tell me any of that. Right. right. And the art teacher's like, listen, are you an actor? <laughs> and I was like... Yeah, I'm also a person who goes great, to art Great galleries. deduction. I'm also a person who goes to art galleries for fun. And I'm here to tell you. That was a okay. point. So, whatever. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of that, in the, especially in the criticism world, where they, they want to all pump themselves up to a point where whatever their audience is, is like, yeah, you know, Michael Johnson said this or whatever. And I'm like, okay, that means Mike didn't like it. Um, I mean, what is mm-hmm. it? There's a go do yourself a favor. Um, uh, uh, what's it called? Epic Rap Battles of History on YouTube. You ever seen this? Okay. No, I have These not. Two white dudes. They're hysterical. Epic Rap Battles of History. Okay. They they do every they. You'll see it. You'll laugh. You'll you'll send me an email and go. You are crazy. But they did a <laughs> battle between all the great directors. They did a rap battle between Spielberg, Hitchcock, Scorsese. Like, oh, no. it's crazy. But at the end, um, what's his name? Who does the um, this is the the, um, the Transformers movies? That director, Michael Bay. Michael Bay comes in. And he's like, y'all need to shut up. <laughs> like, I make money, okay. And I'm not going <laughs> to quote this. I'm not going to quote all he says. I'm not saying he was right. I'm saying there's somebody for everybody. There's a piece of art for everybody, right? And if it's not your, that's art, what art is all about, right? If it's not my art, then it's your art. And I don't, like, simple. I don't like most of Michael Bay's product. But again, millions of people love that. 
So they're not wrong. They just like something you don't like. I would argue, I think people figured him out at this point. And I think that's some of the, you know, where things were dilute from. Sure. But at the time, yeah, he was definitely, he was a hot take. He, look, he makes movies that cost hundreds of millions of dollars because those movies bring in hundreds more millions of dollars. So, he owned. He he pretty much. He pretty much managed the Air Force. Yeah, I'm like that's how badass. But he I'm was. he owns that so much that, again, whatever you want to say, and again, I don't like most of his output. Okay, I do. Yeah. You you'd be a liar if you don't. If you if there's not one Michael Bay movie you like, you're lying. Exactly. Some of those movies are dope, but um, <laughs> but more importantly, it doesn't matter what I think. If the person sitting next to me has tears coming out of their eyes because, I don't know if he did this, but Top Gun does a freaking loop and like, I know what that meant. That loop meant this to me because blah, blah, blah. They're right. Yeah. I'm also right. That's the problem. Me not liking it doesn't cancel out you liking it. Exactly. Okay. And it just is what it is and you right. just got to respect it. So a lot of these critics and there's most of them are crap. They place their own opinion and analysis as some sort of like, well, this is the rule. And yeah. Like, there's no rules. What do you mean? Rules in a knife fight? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, you know, this is a knife fight. I don't know what you came to see. This is a knife fight. Right. There are no rules. Okay. <laughs> you better get a grip. And they don't like that because it means they don't, their job doesn't matter. Right. And it so, doesn't. Their job right, does not let's... matter. <laughs> it doesn't. So let's ask Vin Diesel how much the critics matter. Ask Michael Bay. How about? <laughs> there you go. So let's switch on to some other things. Let's talk comic books for a minute. Go. Like last time we spoke, we were just in the middle of Blood Syndicate. Oh, and man. I got to tell you, I haven't given you my full critique on the uh, season, oh. but I love the first season of uh, Blood Syndicate. Mal, you know, you did your thing. And, and again, I think the one of the things that I did love and what I always love about your writing is because your experience of being in prime time and in Hollywood, as well as you know, understanding your comic, your love for comic books in the comic book uh, feel, and you merge those together, so you get a more sophisticated style of dialogue in your writing and comics, and it feels like I'm actually watching a prime time drama or whatever oh, like I that, or so. action drama. I praise, Thank and you. I got that. I, I I got that with Solo. I got that with uh, Blood Syndicate, and. You know, I love what you did with this. Uh, the writing was great. The art was really good. Um, you just brought it. You brought this great IP back into modern times, and it mattered. And it was really cool. Ooh. I even, I even kind of, I ain't, I ain't want to tell you this, but I kind of, you know, put it, put uh, it in the air to Jim Lee at New York Comic Con recently. No, hey, that's how like, I keep getting work. You better tell these fools to hire me. Um, I was like, no, I really appreciate it. I was like, first, thank you for helping to bring this back. Yeah. It, it, the whole milestone media thing. And then two, like, you know, blessing the kid is my deal. I've really enjoyed it. Like, thank you for keeping this going. So I put it in the zeitgeist of the man. Keep it up. So, I'll take so. it. I want, listen, I want to do, <laughs> I told them, listen, part of how I got this job is I, I, here's the living proof of that. You need to stop it. You need to stop it. You need to stop it. <laughs> I've been lobbying to get Blood Syndicate since before there was a milestone to give me Blood Syndicate. Right. Like when Dwayne McDuffie was still here, every other conversation, I was like, if y'all do this again, you better give me Blood Syndicate. I'll come find you, Dwayne McDuffie. Right. <laughs> right. But um, the bottom line is, if if they had hired Ivan Velez Jr., I wouldn't have been mad mm -hmm. at him. I don't know why they did not go to Ivan. 
since the reason I love mm-hmm. the Blood Syndicate is largely Ivan. Um, mm-hmm. And he's still out there. So I don't know what that's about, but it has nothing to do with me. Right. And I'm like, if it ain't going to be him, it better be me. So, right. um, and yeah, I loved it. I have a ball with it. I'm ready to do season two if they call me. I wanted to do, that's why I introduced the Shadow Cabinet. I want to do the Shadow Cabinet too. Those are my jams, the original milestone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But again, uh, the people who made them are still alive. So if they want to go to yeah. the people who did it first, please do. I won't be mad at you. Um, but if they that was leading to my next question too, yeah. like, are you going to be like, so you don't know here's if how, you're going to. Here's what it is. Since they folded into DC, they have a lot of plans I can't tell you about. So of course. the way it worked for Bloodson, they ran all of the other titles first. So Blood Syndicate was last mm-hmm. in line. That's basically the way it'll go again. So yeah. Icon, um, Hardware, Static, uh, now Duo, and yeah. um, and then Blood Syndicate. Or Duo and Blood Syndicate kind of mm-hmm. came out at roughly the same time. Right. So they've indicated, and this was months ago, I haven't heard from them in a minute, uh, that they had plans to do X, but none of the plans that I do, I can't do anything until they roll out the other books because... Yeah. They're trying to keep their universe tight, so I don't want to, because there's been a lot of grumbling where I blew up the bridge in Blood Syndicate, and apparently it was already blown up in one of the other milestone things. And I'm like, all right, mm. well, you don't know when Blood Syndicate takes place, so theoretically they put the bridge back together, you know. <laughs> but in reality, that could have been something else had I been aware of that. Um, yeah. So I don't want to ever make an error like that again. Uh, yeah. But more importantly, that's the pattern. Like, Blood Syndicate will be last. I don't know if they're going to do a full-on Shadow Cabinet book. I know of at least one writer who's like, you can't write all the Milestone books. And I'm like, I'm writing all the Milestone books Milestone asked me to write, and you too bad for you. Like, and if you get it, I will applaud you. But if you don't, tough. Like, I want that book too, right? Sorry. Right? Why would I have introduced them if I did not have plans for them? Right? Right. So, um, so that's the thing. And I wanted, you know, Milestone version one... This is actually Milestone version three. Um, mm. Milestone version one was Milestone. Milestone version two was DC trying to do Milestone and screwing it up. Right. Um, basically, during that period, I begged Dwayne, I begged Dwayne, please don't let mm-hmm. me have your characters. Please don't do it. Right. He's like, don't worry. I'm going to be there. I got a plan. And I trusted Dwayne. Right. His plans always worked out. And I was like, okay, cool, great. And then he died. And I watched right. them screw it up. They screwed it up so bad. I wanted to find everyone involved and beat them to death with my feet. Like, right, right. how can you screw this up? And, they, and their attitude was, we know how to make comics. We're going to do this right. As if Milestone 1 had been a failure, but it wasn't. After Image, Milestone was the most successful independent comic book company. After Image. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And Image was number two over DC for a while. Right, it was Marvel Image. Ah, those were the days. People forget that. <laughs> okay, and DC was like, "Oh damn!" Right? <laughs> Holy, where did he? Oh damn! But wait, you were mad at Marvel. Why are you? Why are you beating on us? <laughs> right? Right. Like, sorry, we're just making the comics, man. But of the indies, Milestone was the number one indie, and then mm-hmm. the bottom fell out of that market, and all of the indies went away except Image because it was the biggest dog and it had all the big players, right? You see even Shuttered Vertigo and Helix, which were their imprints to sort of combat. They're like, nah, you're just all DC. We don't need these imprints anymore, right? So Milestone version two was 
Dwayne was in charge of Milestone at the time, solo. And he was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get these characters some spotlight. I'm going to be there as a sort of editor-in-chief over how they get used. I'm writing a Justice League book. You can fold these things together easy. And then he died. And DC oh. started, what my parents used to say, started showing their ass. They did not really value these characters. They thought they knew yeah. best. They did stuff with Static, which every Static fan was like, what? The writers on the books were like, can I just please write? No, 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 you don't know what you're doing. It's like, uh, I think I know how to write the character I made up. <laughs> you know? Right. No, but you really don't. So that happened and it crashed and burned as predicted, right? And so Reggie and Dennis got it together and they made the right deals, I guess. And so we have Milestone 3, which is technically part of the DCU, but it's Earth M, which yeah. it should have been its own thing. It does not work in the same way that Wildstorm does not work when you fold it into the regular DC. How can you have the Coda and Amazons? No. Right. And aren't there like five versions of Superman in the Milestone in the Wild Wildstorm universe? We already got three in regular DC. What are you doing? Right. You know, just leave them <laughs> on their own earth and have crossovers. Right. But I'm not in charge of nothing. Nobody listened to me. But uh so yeah, so coming in on this thing, I just basically pitched them here's what my update on the Blood Syndicate would be. And the thing people forget, there's been some criticism where they the the Blood Syndicate started so fast, and like we just got dropped in, and that reporter was just figuring it all out. And I was like, yeah, this is the origin story. What you didn't see right. was how the Blood Syndicate formed. Why would I cover ground that Ivan already did so well? I'm going to cover ground right. prior to that in this new universe. So theoretically, with some minor changes here and there, that reporter could still come in after the fact and go, what is the deal with this Blood Syndicate? Right? Or right. Whatever with that. Um, but it was never a. I loved the original Blood Syndicate. Like that was my jam. That was the. That was my X Men. Like I loved <laughs> the Blood Syndicate. Like you don't even know how much the plans I have for the Blood Syndicate now. Holy mm -hmm. crap! But Dennis and and uh, and uh, Reggie have to sign off, and they have to, and my plans have to fit their plans. So yeah. they have big plans. I only have little plans for just my guys. But um, right. So, yeah, so I have to wait and see what they do. I have to see if they even want me back. They might not. And I hope whoever mm -hmm. takes over loves it as much as I did. Like, I'm not, I'm not mad at anybody in comics when you don't get a job, uh, that, the, that somebody else gets a job you wanted. I'm never going to write Black Panther, the comic book, which I really, really wanted and tried really hard to get. They clearly don't want Jeff writing mm -hmm. that comic book. And I'm like, okay, got it. <laughs> you know, but I'm not mad at the people who did get it. Like, right. Go, go do your thing. It's a gladiator. It's a gladiatorial occupation for someone to get a job. Others must lose it. That's just the way it works. So I wish everybody had the same ideology and mindset. Well, it's different in different environments, right? Like if you're a contractor, yeah. which all of us are, there's everybody's basically putting in a bid. If you're a plumber, you're putting in a bid against other plumbers. Yeah. If somebody chooses that other plumber. You kind of can't get mad at them. Figure out why they beat you. But they do. Yeah, I know you do, right? but that's not the same thing as being inside a company where you're supposed to be promoted based on excellence alone, right? Right. Right. And then, well, yeah, but Marsha got promoted because she's uh, hanging with the bosses a lot, and I don't do that. I just do my job, but they like her. Like, I'm not saying right. anything shady. I'm just saying she's more social than you, but she doesn't do as good a work, but mm -hmm. they like being around her more, so she's going to advance faster. That's not fair. In our business, yeah. there's some of that, certainly, but a lot of it has to do with 
look, you can sell more books or we think this person's name on a book is going to do more for it. Like, you can't really get mm-hmm. mad at it because usually it's like, well, yeah, I guess if I'm going up against J.J. Abrams, I, I mean, I, you, you got a point. <laughs> like, what can I right. say? You know, go, go J.J., you know? Like, you know, that's me. That's my philosophy. Unless somebody's basically cheating, I don't really get mad at somebody else getting a job over me. There you go. Um, if they I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. It matter if they so, suck. I'm mad. Right. So, when not working on Marvel or DC, whatever like that, you got the Winter Man project. Are you anything new coming from that? No, world? I would love it. Here's me doing what I said. Usually, what we're supposed to do when we do these interviews. I love <laughs> cartoons. I love them. But as you'll notice, a lot of cartoons are starting to be revamps of old things. He Man and bringing back. X-Men, yeah. but in the style of the 90s X-Men. They're doing, you know, right. revamping properties you already know. And I'm like, I remember reading a criticism and it, I love the, by the way, I love a lot of the stuff that's coming out now, like what they call Hawks and Pox, that most recent era of the X-Men. If you don't know, it's too hard to explain, but um, yeah. they did a big giant sort of event revamp of the X-Men, sort of, here's what it's about now. Oh yeah, they did. It was did. a big deal for a few years um, and I loved it. But I'm a long-term fan. I believe that might have been impenetrable to someone who's like, ooh, what are these X? Oh, I have no idea what this is. I got to go. You know, because there was no way a person who didn't know the X-Men could have kept up, right? There was just so yeah. much going on that had to do with other stuff. Wouldn't it be great if, remember, well, you don't, and I don't either, but back in the early 60s, Hanna-Barbera had their own line of superheroes, which they thought for a minute they were going to compete with Marvel and DC. Uh, Burton, yeah. uh, Mitor. Okay, yeah. Uh, oh, you talking about those? Herculoids. Gotcha. Space Ghost. Yes. Right. All of this was Hannah the Parker. original Space Ghost, right. not the talk no, show not host the talk version. Show, the original Space <laughs> Ghost, the Galaxy Trio. <laughs> right. Wait. Oh, I, I do remember Galaxy Trio. Okay. All of those were Hanna Barbera going, "Hey, look, these superheroes are doing great. We should have some." Right. And so they did. Yeah. Um, and they made these little short cartoons, which mm-hmm. you didn't need to know anything. Everything was right there in the story and come on down. So I was like, yeah, well, I think a lot of the mistake people make when they try to make stuff nowadays, especially younger creators, is they're trying to you can't be Prince. Prince is Prince. Shouldn't be mad that you're not Prince. Prince was a virtuoso creator. He was a mm-hmm. apex level guitarist and he played every instrument. And his first album, yeah. if you go listen to his first album, just understand that was a studio album. And in that studio was one dude doing all parts. Okay. There you go. And then don't get mad that that's not you, because not everybody is freaking Mozart. Most of us are not Mozart, and we don't need to be. Be happy that Mozart exists to learn from. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I looked at these cartoons, and in cartoon world, what happens is I'm going to go make, you know, I'm going to go compete with Arcane. I'm going to go come. No, you're not. No, it's just you and your friends in your basement. No, you're not. You better know your swing. Do something awesome, <laughs> cool that's inside your talent set. So I looked around and I own a bunch of property because I made them up. So I don't have to ask anybody yeah. or pay for anything. And I was like, how much would it right. cost to start doing some cartoons like that? So I started Red Jack, the animated shorts on the Winter Man channel, the Winter Man Project channel on YouTube. Um, we got three episodes up. It takes a lot of time for a very small crew to do even the three minute, five minute things we're doing. But yes, it does. We are committed <laughs> to doing all five Red Jack shorts and we're going to be doing a new superhero one that we're working on right now called the front line yeah which introduces a whole bunch of new super they're not called superheroes but they do superhero stuff like is doctor who a superhero kind of yeah but they don't call him that 
So it's kind of like that. So a bunch of characters that I made up um, are going to come and have Justice League type adventures. And you can just check yeah. right in and see them do their jam. And there's characters that you hopefully will find interesting. Um, and hopefully it'll be competitive and the style is in that old, not, not looking at it. You won't, you won't think Hanna-Barbera, but the, yeah. the style is my art style. Like the guys are very mm -hmm. good about that. And, um, my characters and it's for free. Um, and if you go check it out and you like it, tell your friends, because if I get enough followers, I'm not doing a lot. As you see, you, you don't see me running around like advertising all of this. I'm like, mm. they get, they dig it. We do it because we have a little bit of spare time coming off of COVID and the strike. But obviously the more work right. picks up, the slower things will go because everybody's got real yeah. jobs to go do. But we, we think we're making a competitive product. Uh, the Red Jack thing is basically, um, it's a space story about uh, uh, African-American type people in a spatial environment that is alien, having sort of mm -hmm. Star Trek slash Firefly adventures. Um, <laughs> and it starts out, the word Red Jack, is, it's my nickname, but it's also the main characters of Red Jack, of which there are over a thousand people who are called Red Jacks. He's basically an explorer. He gets lost exploring this weird thing that he found. And his ex-girlfriend happens to be commanding the ship nearby that's like, hey, the bosses said there's a giant cosmic storm coming in. Everybody's got to run back to the fort so we can put up the big fort shield and not get wiped out by this. And she's like, yeah, but this one right. guy's trapped in this thing. We're going to leave him out here? And the, her cap, her admiral is like, yo, this particular dude is always in something. It's his own fault <laughs> if he's caught out in this storm. He knows the rules and he's always breaking them. You got a ship full of people. You better come on home when I tell you. And she's like, yeah, you freeze on that real quick. I'm just going to go get this guy. And so that's the story. And it's fun. Yeah. It's done in a style I hope people dig. You'll see a whole lot of, um, you'll see it. It's right there, Winterman Project at, at YouTube. Um, and we're just trying to do a bunch of stuff to let folks know it's not all corporate everything. I make, I'm only right. spending money. I'm not making a dime yet. I'm literally money is just going out. Um, and it's right. a way for you to spend money yet like if if it gets big then yeah the, i mean we have a store but we don't advertise it we have all of that stuff but that's not the point yet the point is to put out enough product and have enough people go damn this is dope to warrant maybe an advertiser coming in and then i can really pay lots of people to do it right. full time instead of doing it in their spare time which we have less, right. less of right so right. um so the first thing is red jack the animated series Pardon me, the animated shorts. There's three episodes up. Um, the lady who played Shuri in the Black Panther's Quest is the voice of one of the main characters. Um, oh, it's um, like, uh, Light what is her last Daisy name? Lightfoot. Daisy Lightfoot. Yes. Daisy is my ace. But I tried to get James, <laughs> uh, who played Black Panther, to come in, but he had too many right. conflicts. So for the first time in many years, you're going to hear Jeff Lauren acting, if that's of interest to you. <laughs> First time I've done it. You made your comeback yeah, after all. You comeback. just couldn't. You couldn't I, get I, away I, from it. Me back in, but um, <laughs> but uh, and I got Kevin Grievous to do one of the parts, um, and everybody's been really really cool about it. Uh, I, I I I'm I'm very proud of it, but I'm even more proud of what's coming up because of all the things we learned making the Red Jack show. The superhero yeah. show is going to be like what? Um, so. Um, and it's something that we can avoid a lot of the pratfalls. We don't have to 
we don't have to make a big deal about it being diverse. We don't have to make a big deal about all the stuff that everybody else is like, hey, look, we got a black character. Or we got a queer character. We don't have to do any of that. This right. is the ground floor. So everybody you're meeting is just who they are, you know, and yeah. you're not making a fuss. So um, uh, right. there's more than that. And if you want to directly talk to me before we air anything, I might could hook you up with a work in progress sneak peek, but you can't tell anybody. You know, of course, but <laughs> you can have a look at Red Jackets up. It's fun. Um, I think people really dig it and uh, I want people to go see it. Um, and I'm I got I'm, I've decided I'm only going to do a few more pitches for the big two. So, yeah, um, it's just a, a lot of work to get very little back from. And uh, absolutely. Uh, so I've got a couple of pitches in at Marvel. Uh, if I don't, if none of these five that I'm putting in in the next few months, and a three, one of them already failed, and uh, I got two more in right now, and then I will have two more after that. If none of them go, that's it for Jeff and Marvel Comics. And I haven't started yeah. with DC, but basically I got five pitches for them too. And if they say no to all of them, right. I'm out. I don't have time for it. I'll just be doing my own comics. <laughs> with all those ideas they rejected. Which are fine. Yeah, which, with all, well, the fun part of working at those companies is almost all of the people I've worked with will either give me covers or work with me for a cut rate while I can't afford to pay their full rate uh, as long as the yeah. story is short enough, right? Right. So, like, a, somebody won't do a, come into a series, but they'll do a 10-pager for, like, half their normal rate. I might be able to afford that. So yeah. we're opening up the company where before it was just me writing everything. Already got three writers mm -hmm. on the string right now waiting to go you know so right. um so it all depends on what happens with these pitches basically um right. and even only in that it will either delay it to like next year or if they all say no well next year is two months but you know what i mean um right 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 like it will delay it by months or it won't delay it at all if it doesn't delay at all then i'm gonna open up my own comic book shop on the web where we sell winter main comics right. um with with not just me writing everything like it'll be a real comic book company with our own stable of heroes. Jeff, thank you again for being on the show. Um, you've always been tremendous on these things, and y'all, I learned a lot from you every single time. I it is. I, I, I just hope that everybody that listens and watches, you know, actually learns something, especially those that I know who are inspiring to be a writer or a set actor or whatever it is. You get, a, you give a lot of great insight in here, and I always appreciate it. I'm, a, I'm very grateful for it since the day I met. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> but I got one more absolutely I got one more question for you and this is something I'm surprised I didn't ask you before okay. but with all of your vast experience that you've done I mean you've pretty much ran the circle of entertainment you know throughout this time I don't know which you haven't done yet I haven't, I don't, uh, I haven't but, got an album yet I haven't got an album yet <laughs> okay there you go well we got to work on that but with all that vast experience that you have done I mean you to, that you grit and grind for over the years. Like, have you ever come up with the idea of thought about teaching college level courses you know, in some have, of the things that you learned? People have asked me that multiple times over the years. And I do think about it. My whole family is, um, not all of them, but a significant portion of my, my, my family on both sides are school teachers or college teachers or librarians, yeah. things like that. And I won't say that the idea is not attractive to me on some level, but the truth is I don't think it would be good for the students. I'm not very nice. Like, I feel like I'm a good person, but I'm not a nice person right. when it comes to art. Like, there, there are people that, there are people who are, who do, I don't like people who've never done it, who try to teach. They make it worse for everybody. 
because they don't know what the hell they're yeah. talking about. But there are also people mm -hmm. who are, you'd be better to work with me as an intern and just be in the job with me than for me mm. to stand in front of a room full of people and go, hey, here's this. Is it because you feel like more of a colleague to that person? Well, that And the idea of teaching is that the things that I could teach you, you could learn from a book. Mm -hmm. The things that I can't teach you, you have to learn from doing. Experience. Right? You have to be around. And those are the most important yeah. things. So like, yeah, I could teach a class in creative writing, let's say. But yeah. here's a good example of that. When I first started writing, uh, I quit acting to be a writer, which was foolish because I'd never written anything official and I didn't have any fallback right. career. So my fallback career is writing, but it wasn't a career. It was nothing. So for about three years right. between the end of me being on TV and me getting my first uh, writing sale, I was just in hell. Yeah. Like I, that was an awful period of time. It was really bad. Like people don't get it. Um, so, so much for that Hollywood life. But um, what happened was back when there was this thing called AOL, which people don't remember because they're children, um, there was a writer <laughs> called Dean Wesley, Dean Wesley Smith. He's a big science fiction writer, mm -hmm. and he was a big science fiction editor, which is important mm -hmm. because editors editors receive all the writing you do as a as a novelist or a short story writer, and it's their job to go yeah. yes, no, yes, no for their publication or for their publishing house, depending on what kind of editor yeah. they are. And he's like, look, I'm running this. I'm part. I'm one of the people running this contest, and we're seeing a lot of amateur work, amateur hour stuff. And I thought it'd be a good idea if we could weed some of that out now. Because there's all those yeah. people who just don't, it's not that they even have a bad story to tell us. They don't know anything. They haven't, they have, this is their first ever story. And this is not the market for you to be trying your first story out on. Right? Like, right. so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a master class here for free. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to answer any question you have that doesn't involve me reading your individual story. Because <laughs> I'm not doing that. Okay. You, right. you guys can't afford me to do that. I make a lot of money doing that and I'm not doing it. But there's a lot of generic answers I can give you. Not generic yeah. in the sense of they're, you know, they're not canned. They're just, this is always true type of answers, right? Which yeah. you would not know if you were not talking to a professional, right? And that most professionals won't tell you because why would they bring it up? It's like they don't even think about it. Right. Right. So like knowing the rules of English, we don't talk about it. We all speak English, right? Right. Like that. So for about six months, he did this. And that writing class changed my writing to the point where I had submitted work to him in the past that had been rejected. And after that, yeah. after and it wasn't even a class, it was just him answering questions on YouTube. I mean, on, on AOL. So we would type in a question and if he saw one, he's like, okay, that's a good question. And he would answer it right there. <laughs> and if you were smart, you saved the transcript, which I did. Yeah. And then I read every answer and I was like, huh, okay. And it wasn't that you were doing anything wrong. It was that weird things you didn't think about, like where to enter a story, where to leave a story, um, character right. voice, you know, just weird little mm -hmm. things. And each one of those little things added up to I sold my first story to him without him knowing it. Yeah. That next round of sending in stories because everything he said made sense. Now, that kind of class is great, but it requires the people in the audience knowing what questions to ask. Right. Mm -hmm. So like. Theoretically, I could probably teach a master's class, but what I see a lot on the internet, and it makes me sad, most of what people teach when it comes to writing especially is everyone's terrified. Everyone in the arts is terrified. And unlike actors and dancers, 
dancers go in and they audition. You can see. Can you dance? Yeah. Don't get out of here. You know, can you act this right. part? What were you? You're 90. This is a 12-year-old. Get out. Go. You know, why did right. you bother? Right? So that's easy. But with writing, everybody's really nervous about it because it's not physical and you're sort of bearing your soul in a way. And it's very personal. It takes a lot of time yeah. by yourself. It's almost like praying in a way. Right? And when you show your work and someone doesn't like it, you take it to the bone, a lot of them. And so what they're all looking for is a sense of control. Right. They're trying to get a formula where they can control the outcome. If you do everybody, you ever see anyone say, if you do this, I can get you to a bestseller. No, you can't. Because <laughs> why are you teaching this class? Why don't you just have a bestseller? Like your life is right. way easier if you just write that bestseller. <laughs> right. right. So like that. So what I see is people getting these, they're paying out money to be in these contests. Don't do that. Anybody who's asking you for money is not your friend. The money goes to the Thank you. Here are the things I would teach in my class. Do not, I see that do not participate in contests that require you to pay them up front. Do not participate yep. in contest, contests that don't give you a publication for real publication. Or in, in the case, I suppose, of a screenplay where, I don't know, the head of Paramount or somebody is definitely going to read your script. If it ain't that, it is a, it's a scam. Tough. Mm-hmm. If anybody doesn't have anybody got a problem with that, please look me up. We will have a chat. I am ready for that <laughs> conversation. Um, that kind of thing is helpful to writers because they don't, it causes them not to waste time and focus on the writing. Um, yeah. Don't chase trends. Like if it was, if vampires were hot last year and you want to write that hot vampire novel, understand it took all of those books that came out a minimum of a year to come out. So by the time you were aware of them, the trend is over. Right. <laughs> Don't chase trends. Just write. And if it is vampires you love, yes, write that. Because odds are high. Make sure the story is just great and compelling. Well, the odds are high your version of vampires is going to be great if you love yeah. them, period. But if you're only doing it because Twilight was big. It's the hot thing. Then you're yeah. always going to be last in line and you won't get anywhere. Right. So that kind of advice is not. I, I said that same thing, too. I said the same thing just recently because, you know, you always have the first ones to put it out there and to make it happen. You know, I will give an example. The Power Rangers. When the Power Rangers hit America, when Saban got access yeah, to those to that property. To one, right. Everybody had to everybody had to have one. And then it wasn't the same. It just didn't Robots, live up to the Orbots, Transformers. Yeah. You can name that. Yeah. You can't do it. But for writing, yeah. So it comes down to everybody's trying to exert some, trying to get some kind of control, some kind of edge, some kind of way that I don't feel like I'm wasting my time and my heart's not going to get broken. Yeah. And my class would be, your heart's definitely going to get broken. There is no control. It's a, it, yeah. you got to write a lot to get a little. And mostly it's going to be no. Yeah. Like almost every answer you're going to get for your entire career is going to be, nope, not doing that. <laughs> so if you like, I would, first, first class with a Jeff class would be, Okay, everybody wants to be a professional writer, raise your hand. Theoretically, everybody raised their hand. Okay. <laughs> if I tell you no on one of your scripts, what will you do? Will you take it to heart? Will you call me a jerk or some worse version of a jerk? Will you whatever? Will you listen to the reasons I said no? Will you do any of that? Or will you just be mad and hurt and butthurt? If you're in that last category, time to go. Yep. Go now, right now. Because I'll be the remember easiest what I, remember person what I said. that you'll ever deal with. <laughs> remember what I said at the er, earlier in this interview? 
about my class experience yeah. and what was said. Oh, yeah. I'm that that guy. was real. I'm that definitely that guy. Yeah. Right? That was uh, my my one of my favorite teachers was some of the most. He was the nicest guy, but when he critiqued your work, he was straight up. And sometimes it wasn't what you want to hear. And I got rest his soul. I wish he was still around, but he 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 sounded like Emma Fudd. But when he critiqued you, it was brutal, just the cruelest right? thing yeah, ever. Yeah, it was brutal. Well, look, like even to the point I remember one one thing he would say was like was like. You would, you know, this design here, I'm not really feeling this design. It's like too many rectangles. Yeah. You probably need some rectangles here. You do know where the rectangle oh. is, don't you? And it was like, what? Yeah, it was before, wait, before reality TV was ever made, and you know how the camera rolls when something shocking yeah. happens? That was me, and you could have panned the camera on me. And I was like, no, he oh. didn't. <laughs> right, yeah. He was like that, but he was saying so subtle that you couldn't really get mad at him. But it would also drive certain students out of that class because they couldn't handle Listen. that. And that was kind of reality. This is what you had to deal with in real look, life. Like when you, look, he's giving you an example. When, when you're most of the, I would say a good half of the people who get into the arts of any kind, they're in it for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. If, I don't know how to say this right. When people say, read my script, when people say, do the show, come to the show or whatever, mm -hmm. about half of them want mm -hmm. you to tell them they're a genius. Okay, they want you to read it. Oh my God, this is like finding Mariah Carey's first demo tape before anyone knew who she was. So right. Every time you, everything you say that is not that is a point off for you, because they think they're a genius, oh. right? And it's the wrong mindset. Right? And I'm here to tell you, you're probably not. You might be, but there's a reason we know all. Those That's not the mindset that you should come Look, off. That ego needs to go. There's a reason we know all those names. It's because they're unusual. Right. Yeah. Most of the people who do the thing you want to do are not Mariah Carey. They're a stack of bands that make right. a very nice, healthy living who you never heard of. Okay. Right. They don't suck. She's just a genius. Okay. So that's one. The other part is mm -hmm. people who ask you to read their stuff or critique their stuff want you to tell them they're awful. That they got nothing that they should get out now. They want to be able to put your face on their quitting the business. Well, this professional told me I suck. I, that's why I quit. Right. And that's also ego because an escape. Right. It's, but it's like, I'm either the greatest or I'm the worst ever. And I'm like, that's yeah. just you looking in the mirror too much. That is none of this is about you. It's all about those words. And right. Okay. Can right. you do it or not? And there's a lot of people who don't want to live in that world. It's a very harsh, harsh, harsh world. And that's not counting all the cheating yeah. that happens when you get out into the real pro world where somebody's son or somebody's girlfriend or whatever gets the job they don't deserve because they're hooked up and you're not. You can't eat that. You can't take that. Time to go right now. I will be the easiest, there you go. easiest teacher you ever have is talking to you like this right now. There you go. But I don't think that's a popular class. I don't think that, I don't think <laughs> that in this climate right now. The best classes are the most unpopular. Listen, I just come to terms to the realize that. Climate, someone will be like, well, he didn't, he triggered me when he said this. And I'll be like, how about that? Yeah, well, I told your asses to leave on day one. Everyone who stayed after that. <laughs> okay. Everyone who stayed after day one. Um, that's on you. I told you what the ride was. Damn the entitlement. Right. You know what I mean? Be like, if your ego isn't this size, you cannot ride this ride. Okay. 
you know what I mean? But yeah, but it's hard. There you go. There's so much of people's souls wrapped up in this thing. I don't want to be the face. You know how many people told me I should quit over the course of my coming up in the arts? At least every few years, some serious person of authority was like, this life is not for you. You will not, uh, you know, this, you're not going to make it. Your temperament is not right. And, you know, I don't know right. what you're even, you're, you're taking up space another person could be using. And I'm just like, yo, really? You feel that strongly about it? person who has never worked and I've already worked in the industry you, you're teaching in? <laughs> yeah, right. Are you sure you want to go with that track? <laughs> you know, they didn't get back from me what they were, they were expecting back from a student. But the implication was they were right. literally trying to break out people. They were trying to break people so they would quit. And I was like, is this what you say to everybody in these situations? This is up and through college and stuff like that, right? And yeah. I was like, is this how you talk to everybody? Or is this just specific to me because I'm the one who gets in your face about stuff? Mm -hmm. And there was never really a clear response to that, but they kept going, eh, not for you, not for you, not for you. And as you say, mm -hmm. really? Not for me, huh? Well, one of us has done all this other stuff, and one of us is barely scraping by as a college professor? Yeah. Uh, Have you seen my IMDb? Yeah, let's, let's compare. <laughs> Why don't we check back in five years? Right. But, um, but that's the problem is that for every person like that, you might get a serious teacher like the one you had, and the student can't tell yeah. the difference. To that student who I sit down with and go, look, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, you could blow up and be, you know, uh, Cardi B or somebody next year. I don't know. Right. But from where I'm sitting right now, you have neither the temperament nor the skills, and you're not willing to learn the latter. You think you know everything. There you go. I you say go. all that stuff. Here you go. But my face is going to be on, I'm going to be the person you hate. I'm going to be, if you crack, I'm going to be the person who cracked you, right? Which isn't fair to you or me, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't think I'd be a good teacher because I have no softness when it comes to good or, good or poor art. Uh, uh, you either can do it or you can't. And if you can right. do it, then it's just a matter of you teaching you to get out of your own way and teaching you, like, if you right. want to be a writer of screenplays, these are the formats, you know, which you can learn from a book. But it, I would also say, like, being, you know, having an intern kind of takes away of the brunt of being brunt, uh, blunt. Yes. Yes. And it, it, it's not you being blunt and realistic. It's this. It's the world. It's the experience around you I mean, that is, I, I, that is showing you. I could probably do the best way to work with me would be if you were the teacher, let's say that's not, it, doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a big school, any school. If you were the teacher of the yeah. of the TV writing of the screenwriting class, then what I would mm -hmm. do is I'd say, okay, who are your best students, teacher? Who are your let's say you got a class of fifty. Who are your best ten? Yeah. Before I even get there, yeah. who are your best ten? Okay. Doesn't mm -hmm. matter what they write or how they write or what their subject chooses to be. Who are your best? I will take those ten best, and for I don't know a semester, we will simulate yeah. how a real Hollywood writers room works. They will come into a writer's room run by me, and we will make up a show together. Yeah. It will be a show that technically already exists, so there won't be any possibility of anyone getting sued or whatever. But we're going to pretend like right. the show does not, like a show that only had one season or two episodes. We're going to pretend, and I, I will sign whatever waiver that says I will not turn this into a real show. <laughs> right? Right, 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 right. Use your free labor, and you will sign a Have a watermark on it or yeah, something? You will sign a waiver that says <laughs> you can't use this script for anything but class that no one just stays right. in class. This is just for you learning shit. 
Okay. Yeah. And then for X number of weeks, and I would maybe make the teacher of that class my number two, right? Because it's always there's mm-hmm. always a showrunner and the person who looks after the room when the showrunner can't be there, right? Yeah. And we would we would make a show. We would do a season of a show. You've all been hired on season two of this show. Let's right. go. And I would teach it like that, and they would come out of it knowing how a and I would do weird crap to them. Like there would be some person I'd be like, okay, that person's gonna be teacher's pet. I'm gonna choose the worst writer in the yeah. room, they're gonna be teacher's pet. They're always gonna get to talk the longest, and I'm always gonna say yes to their ideas. Even if we don't end up doing it in the room, I'm gonna say yes. Right? Right, and right, right. That we're gonna see how that goes. I'm gonna have somebody think that they can talk to the assistant, like my number two, like, oh, I can get around the others, like, and we're gonna see how you all react to the kind of crap that goes on in a real writer's room, and yet still right. write. Right, and at least one of your asses is getting kicked out of here, randomly. I'm just gonna <laughs> randomly kick one of you out. It's got nothing to do with your this skill. Is it. Okay, um, stuff like that's gonna happen. Okay, and mm-hmm. if you can't handle that, then this is not the job for you. Right. This sounds like you just created a syllabus just right yeah, now you can do it. of if your you class, person- but you also created a. You also created a reality show uh, theoretically, as well. Theoretically. I mean, like, <laughs> the thing about it is, is that you need, you can't teach that class unless you've already done it for real. In a real right. writer's room. You can't simulate it if you've never been in one because there's no way. In fact, like, if it was a comedy right. room, I've never been in one. And everyone I know who's been in one, they're like, oh, no, Jeff, you will not work well there. Right? And I'm like, why? Because yeah. you would hit someone. <laughs> like really i'm not like that he's like in these rooms you would be like that you don't like jerks and there are a <laughs> lot of jerks in a comedy room and someone would hit your limit i guarantee you right and i'm like yeah i guess that's true i really don't like racists and liars and so everything that happened to miss mazel is pretty much like accurate. well i don't know what i know is that <laughs> listen it's a shark tank in a comedy room because in general comedians are mm-hmm. hate to say it i usually don't generalize but comedians are very often really screwed up emotionally people but they're also crazy funny and talented so if you get 10 of them in a room yeah. together you're gonna have some problems you just, you yeah. just are so um yeah. and in a regular writer's room you still have a lot of that but it's much more common low-key it's not a shark tank usually so yeah. um and i am a person who after a certain point would be like you understand i'm a grown-ass man right you want to you want to dial back on all the last three or four things you said and rephrase right you don't have an right. outside the work problem at this point right now that doesn't happen often but it does occasionally happen <laughs> no i'm saying like 20 right. years maybe twice maybe you know but yeah um but if you don't have a temperament that can hang like that there's also a couple of people yeah. who needed a butt kicking that didn't get one because stuff happened at work that couldn't be dealt with properly. Right? Yeah. Like the real conversation is not what we're having here, but I'm at work, so we're gonna have right. this conversation. <laughs> right. But there you go. Um so yeah, so teaching a class like that, it's very one of the things that gets us very upset, a lot of us in the in the actual business, we would love to have people come in with a sort of baseline skill set and an understanding of how things work. But what often happens is they'll come from a teacher who doesn't know anything and teaches them a lot of stuff yeah. that we have to make them forget. None of that, what you were told is true. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to insult your yeah. beloved professor or whoever it was that right, right. made you feel like you could write and God bless them and that's wonderful. But a lot of the stuff they told you was crap. And I, I don't have a lot of yeah. time to teach you not to do the crap stuff. You're just gonna have to figure out what's crap and what's not on your own. So I would love to have a class. That was- 
that was, I think, it, from a, from my experience in, uh, in art and design, it was like, that was the one thing I did appreciate because he, they did point out, it's like, it's not about what you want to do, and it's not about what's going to happen in the real world. It's just about you being disciplined enough to do what I request. Right, right. And once you get to bare, um, you know, bones of the basic aspects of art and design, whatever you do outside from that, that's on you. Yeah. But right now, it's about how much can you listen to what I say in accordance to what you need to learn that's to get thing. out there. Learning, and there's other things to learn out there, but right now, this is about right now and here. It, if you can listen. If you're learning it to be yeah. a professional at it, that's different than I'm learning it just to learn it, to understand it. There right? you go. And a lot of, nothing against colleges. Obviously, I went to one and my family's all teachers. But um, yeah. there's a difference between a vocational school which is teaching you how to do the thing you're going to go do for real. Yeah. And a academic school, which is giving you a baseline school, a skill set and knowledge in a particular thing. Now, it ain't the same thing as teaching you how to do it. Right. There you so go. if you go to a school where the, I always tell people, whatever college you're going to for the arts, when you look at the teachers who are teaching at that school, if none of them have actually done for real the thing they're teaching you, do not go to that school. That was the beauty about the school that I went to because every one of them had to had to still be in the in the industry. They had to be right. in order for them to keep. There was I don't think it was I don't think it was any tenure involved in this. You had to be maintaining your craft in the industry. You still selling you're yeah you're still selling work in art galleries. You're still That's having right. exhibits. You're still working in the zeitgeist of things. You because there's always going to be something new right. that needs and, to be and, and bring, we brought can't back. Keep up with it in between school semesters. So we need to have someone right. who's actually in the water swimming to tell you how the current is changing. Your name still has to have some relevancy in the you industry. You don't have to be that big. You just have to have been a person who's done it for no. a while, right? Because like right. you say, trends change on a dime sometimes. And you could be teaching yeah. stuff that technically works, but nobody wants it this year. So if I spent a year right. teaching you how to do something that nobody wants, what are you selling? There you, you go. Know? And there's there there's you kinds go. of things I don't write. There's kinds of scripts I don't write. I don't write rom-coms. Okay, I don't write these sort of TV soap opera things. I'm basically an action adventure, spies, cops type guy. So Hollywood yeah. shifts towards late night soaps like Dallas or whatever. I'm out. Yeah. Like I'm out. Yeah. Like all I could mainly do is come in and I could run your writer's room because I know how that works. I could keep your show going as a producer level. But in terms of yeah. writing those scripts, I'm B team at absolutely best because I don't naturally write that kind of thing. Right. I mean, I could technically yeah. write it, but you'd be like, oh, this clearly Jeff wrote this one because he doesn't know. Yeah. You know. Whereas if it was Star Trek or Mission Impossible or John Wick or something like that, I'm in. So That's, yeah. but trends change like we we're talking about with Cowboys. Like you just don't know. And if you have a teacher who's, whose last time they were in it was in the 1960s, they shouldn't be teaching you. Anything. Yeah. They're not teaching you anything you can use. Yeah. They're just not. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. They're just not. Absolutely. You know, so. So, Jeff, thank you again. It's been awesome to have you, man. And again, thank you. I mean, I'm so grateful to ever get to know wow. you and Stop. get a chance. <laughs> no, I'm going to toot your horn here. Quiet and let me okay. do that. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it was one of the best things about my experience with San Diego Comic-Con was meeting you. And not only just to meet you, to get to know you, but to know that there's a brother out there in the industry that is doing his thing and doing it as greatly as you did uh, and still doing, I'm just more than happy, honored, and proud. Well, to, let me tell you, uh, you know, have you on the show and to get to know Something's you, man. Something's going to pop off in the next two years 
when it happens, you'll know my name will be associated. <laughs> I'm not the lead on it, but I'm high enough up the food chain. If it you always off, got something going on. <laughs> when this pops off, and I promise you, you will see it. Um, right. Hit me up, and I will make sure the showrunner of that show comes to talk to you. You got it. Absolutely. You never let me oh, down. Oh, <laughs> so, again, real quick, give your uh, plugs one more time to remind people where they can uh, find you, you and can everything find that you got me going at on. JeffreyThorn.com. Uh, all my links are there. And please, please come by the Winterman Project on YouTube. Just put in a search for the Winterman Project uh, and you will see, or Red Jack, the animated shorts. Uh, please come and please subscribe because once I get a thousand subscribers, I can start monetizing this thing. And that money will go yep. into hiring more better animators, basically. Like, I'm trying not to do uh, uh, crowdfunding. I'd rather do just regular funding. Buy some merch. We yeah. take that money and pay people to make more stuff. Pretty simple, you know. There um, you go. So that's it. Please come by Winterman Project, Winterman Project, Winterman Project, Winterman Project. <laughs> Winterman Project. Winter, like the season. Winterman. That's me. I'm a man. <laughs> My project is the Winterman Project. <laughs> Please come by. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Jeff. Folks, I hope you enjoyed this very special episode of Talk Time Live exclusive. That will do it for us. On behalf of myself and Jeff, all I got to say is learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. We are out of here. Take care and have a great week, people. This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality.